You are listening to the Gospel Project for Adults Weekly Leader Training. Welcome to this episode of the Gospel Project for Adults Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This is Daniel Davis. This week we are looking at Unit 18, Session 5, titled A Burdened People, which is a doctrine session looking at guilt and shame. With this session, we come to the end of Volume 6 and the end of the Old Testament part of the storyline through the Bible. We've been at this for 18 months, a year and a half, and next week we'll start a year and a half in the New Testament. But let's not shortchange this session here at the end of the Old Testament. At the conclusion of each unit, we include a session focused on a specific Christian doctrine. Oftentimes, these doctrine sessions branch out to other places in Scripture for insight. But with this session, we maintain the storyline, looking at what the book of Malachi has to teach us about how we should understand guilt and shame. The book of Malachi is not easy to date with any specificity or certainty, but he was most likely a prophet after Israel's return from exile, and he may have been a contemporary with Ezra and Nehemiah. The focus of his prophetic messages, however, seems to place him prior to the reforms and restoration of Ezra and Nehemiah at a point where the enthusiasm of the rebuilt temple had worn off and people had returned to their old patterns. Yet his messages, being the inspired word of God, remain as timely for us as they were for the Jews at the close of the Old Testament. Esther, Ezra, and Nehemiah tell the story of the Israelite people both outside the Promised Land and within, specifically with a view to the Lord's provision for his people. God put the exiles under Persian rulers who didn't mind their return to their homeland and a restoration of the worship of their God. But just because God's hand was leading didn't mean the people had turned back to the Lord completely. Just like Moses dealt with the sins of the Israelites who had accompanied him out of slavery in Egypt, so Ezra and Nehemiah dealt with the sin even in the midst of rebuilding the temple and the walls. Haggai and Zechariah prophesied to the people that they should renew their focus on the things of the Lord. Malachi came in later to echo that message. Had the restored people of God fallen so far away from God that they didn't even sense their guilt and shame? Let's see what the Lord had to say about this situation through the prophet Malachi. In point one, we look at Malachi chapter three and a couple of verses from James chapter two to lay the foundation that the sins of the wicked incur their guilt. In discussing the Malachi three passage about tithing, or the people's lack thereof, you will help your group understand the meaning of the key doctrine for this session, guilt and shame. Guilt is an objective status that comes with disobedience and sin. Shame is a subjective feeling of having violated God's law. Both are true for those who have sinned, and both are a reality and means by which the Lord arrests the sinner in his sin to draw him back to himself. In this point, we are focusing on the consequence of objective guilt for our sin. The Jews in Malachi's day were robbing God by withholding their tithes and offerings from the temple. Malachi said this resulted in the consequence of a curse upon the land. The Jews were objectively guilty for violating the Lord's command. In this case, failing to do the good they knew to do. So they were sinning and suffering under the temporal punishment for their sin. Only through a turn in their attitude and behavior, only through repentance marked by obedience, 
could they find forgiveness and a restoration of their relationship with the Lord. But as the teacher, be clear to emphasize the Lord's willingness, even eagerness, to respond to their repentance with blessing. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, patient and forgiving, slow to anger and abounding in love. Yet we still cannot think that our sin is a small matter. Jumping to James 2 in the New Testament for a moment, we read that stumbling at one point of the law is equivalent to breaking it all. We aren't graded on a curve, but with a straight pass or fail, and each of us has failed. Before the Holy God, our Creator and Sustainer, we are guilty sinners who have failed to keep His good and holy law, even when it is simplified to its basic core of love for God and love for others. And amazingly, unfortunately, like the Jews to whom Malachi was speaking, we as human beings often are not aware of our offense against God, or we object to our offense being judged as offensive. The Lord told the Jews to return to Him, and their response, How can we return? The Lord declared their offense, You are robbing me. And their response, How do we rob you? There was no humility before the Lord in these responses. And so they did not recognize or acknowledge their guilt before the Lord. Guilt is an objective status of someone being found guilty for a wrong committed, as well as the incurring of punishment that comes with it. In point two, we return to Malachi 3 with a focus on shame, seeing how the boasting of the wicked reveals their shamelessness. Shame is the emotional pain that comes from sinful actions, and I might add, the emotional pain rightly felt. The Jews in the passage reveal their shamelessness over their sin, again in the way they respond to God without humility and respect. The Lord, who is truth and always speaks the truth, declared that his people had spoken harshly against him. It is hard not to examine this interaction as a parent with children. Parents know the feeling of disappointment and hurt in response to the actions or words of a child. Though similar feelings can be had by volunteers in a church nursery, Sunday school, or even in a work environment. When parents confront a teenager who has spoken harshly against them, whether to their face or behind their back, they know the response they hope to see in their child honesty, humility, and a sense of shame. Not so they can lord it over their child, but so they can know the child recognizes the offense and wants to make things right. But if the interaction results in feigned ignorance or belligerent backtalk, then the parents have a clear indication that the child is shameless, even though the light has been shown on his or her sinful behavior. This latter scenario illustrates well how the Jews responded to the Lord's message through Malachi. Your words are harsh, the Lord said. But what have we spoken against you, they replied. This wasn't the humble response of, You're right, Lord. We have sinned against you. Or, We have spoken harshly against you, Lord. We don't doubt that this is true. Please show us how we may repent and find your forgiveness. No, they feigned ignorance, as if the all-knowing Lord were not aware of what they had spoken and whispered in the dark. And that brings up the content of what they spoke against the Lord. They accused the good, holy, and just God of being fickle, unfair, and unjust. And they had no shame in doing so. Though the Lord had always been true to His word, 
blessing and punishing in his perfect timing, exiling and returning according to his prophesied and perfect will. The people trusted in their own eyesight and earthly perspective to make a judgment upon the Lord and his faithfulness, and they found him wanting. Let us be honest with ourselves and acknowledge that we have done the same. The shamelessness of sinners, all sinners, knows no bounds. And only the grace and faithfulness of the Lord can melt our stony hearts to feel the shame we must feel to drive us to repentance and faith. It may also be worthwhile at this point to consider that there are two negative extremes when it comes to our response to our own sin. On the one hand, we have shamelessness, as we have seen in Malachi 3. But the opposite extreme is a sense of shame that doesn't lead to repentance. In 2 Corinthians 7, 9-10, writing to the Corinthian church about their response to a previous letter he wrote, the Apostle Paul said, I now rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance. For you were grieved as God willed, so that you didn't experience any loss from us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. But worldly grief produces death. I don't think it is a stretch to connect the ideas of shame and grief over sin in this passage. And if that's possible, then we can see that there are two types of shame. One, a proper sense of shame that leads to repentance and salvation, that takes us to the foot of the cross of Christ, the only place we can find the forgiveness that we need. The other type of shame is worldly and leads to eternal death because it is self-focused. Instead of going to Jesus, we look to ourselves for penance and wrestle with the need to forgive ourselves. Whether the response of a sinner is shamelessness or worldly shame, both betray a sense of arrogance that our earthly perspective outweighs the Lord's. In point three, we see the converse of those who are arrogant and shameless. In Malachi 3, 16-18, we find that the fear of the Lord among the righteous prompts His compassion. Those who fear the Lord, who have faith in the one true God, who repent of their sin and turn to Him for forgiveness, will find that the Lord has regard for them. Reading through the passage, you will notice a reference to a book of remembrance. You will find additional help explaining that book of remembrance in verse 16 with the sidebar content in your leader guide on page 158. As a part of teaching this point, you want to contrast the Lord's response to the wicked with His response to the righteous, which accords well with the proverb quoted in James 4.6, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. To the wicked, He points out faults and holds them accountable for their arrogance. But to the righteous, who humbly fear the Lord, he shows compassion, which no doubt includes forgiveness of sin. That's one distinction from the Lord's response. The other contrast in this passage is found in the actions that distinguish between the righteous and the wicked. The wicked do not serve the Lord, while the righteous, those who fear the Lord, do serve him, as a loving son serves his father and obeys him. This is a passage of Scripture that bears out the truth that actions flow from the heart, and a heart of faith will be accompanied by actions that demonstrate that faith in the Lord. 
The book of Malachi addressed the apathy and accusations of the wicked as they rejected the Lord. But it also held out hope to those who feared the Lord, that they would see and experience the Lord's compassion and forgiveness. Those blessings of the Lord were made possible through Jesus' sinless life, death, and resurrection, by which God has provided the way for those who trust in Him to be freed from their guilt. Christ was provided to cover over our shame and set us free from the penalty of sin, which is death and eternal separation from our Creator. Those who trust in the Lord, those who trust in Jesus Christ and serve Him, have their names recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life from Revelation 13.8. And for these believers, because all of our sin is forgiven in Christ, we should seek to move from the shame we feel when we sin to repenting of it and delighting once again in our full acceptance in Christ Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's leader training for the Gospel Project for Adults. For more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.